Blog Talk Radio. Well, hey guys, I was just going to say it's Wednesday, but you know what? It's not. What that tells me is I either work too much or I'm way too tired. I'm guessing it's probably the latter. So hi, kids. I know I haven't had a Tuesday show in a while, but it just so turns out that this week um, works fast. And actually, if I can talk, works well for my guest today. In just a moment, we're going to be connecting with Antonio, or excuse me, Antonia Hall. I'm very excited to talk to her. Not only is she smart and sweet and successful, she has lots of tips for us relative to, <gasps> I have to say the sex word on air today. And if you know me well, and if you follow me, you already know that this is going to be a challenge. So I'm quite proud of myself. I've delved into this pool. Thank you very much. Pat on my back to self. Thanks. Really quickly, before we go ahead and connect my guest today, I want to remind everybody, don't forget to tune in tomorrow. Um, I'm checking on confirmation with his publicist, but I want to say it's going to be 3 o'clock Central Standard Time. Um, the gentleman's name is Darren Hawbrook, and he is the author of the Forest Town Chronicles, amongst other books. He is about to do a launch for his Foreverland book, which is actually on Halloween this year. So please tune in tomorrow. Like I said, I'm 90% sure it's 3 o'clock Central Standard Time. And then on the 20th, we're going to be featuring at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. Thank you so much, Bridget O'Brien, my dear publicist friend for this one. The name of the band is called Answer Infinity. It's pretty rare that I usually host a heavy metal band, but um, I hear that they're wonderful. So they're from New Jersey. They're a band that formulated back in 2010. And so they have this really kick-ass version of the Rocketman cover as well as other things. So I'm very excited to be hosting them. But without further ado, since my lovely lady has been holding on so long, let's go ahead and connect with Antonia and find out what she's got to say about her book. Hi, have you been listening to me rambling on? <laughs> I have. It sounds fun. You have so much great stuff coming out, too. Well, I always have some great stuff. You know, I'm so blessed that I have so many people. In fact, I want to tell my listening audience how we met, as a matter of fact. Both of you and I are on a wonderful outlet for PR called the PR, I think it's PR Marketing and Something Czar page on Facebook. Um, and so it's flooded with tons of public relations people, authors, celebrities, you name it, it's there. And you and I connected, as a matter of fact. You had been talking about your book, and I said, I want to hear about this book. And here we are, weeks later. I'm so excited. I am, too. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. The first thing I have to tell everybody, because, of course, you know, I have – I have about 58,000 listeners, and thank you, God. So I always get so nervous when I come on air, especially because we have somewhat of a male population, and the minute that they find out that I have a beautiful and smart and talented woman coming on, first question is, is she single? And I'm going to go on a limb because I'm pretty sure that you are single. So I let's get this out single. of the way. Anyway. <gasps> okay, so this is, the, this is the nice way I've been trying to put this, because I'm like, okay, so here she is. She is the author of The Ultimate Guide to a Multi-Orgasmic Life. And then I'm going to turn around and have her come on my show, and the first thing I'm going to ask her is, well, gee, what kind of a guy is going to make this girl happy? I can't wait to hear the answer to this. So if a boy wants to ask you out after this wonderful interview, what does he need to know, what does he need to do, etc. Why are you single? You are beautiful and smart and talented and, from what I can tell, funny and very eclectic. I don't understand. Oh, well, you know, I have been so busy writing and I'm creating my next book already. I've been doing a oh. ton of PR for, for this book. I have been writing for a number of magazines and online sources. So I've been keeping pretty busy and haven't been entirely dateable. Ah, okay. So it's almost non-accessibility that seems to be the large, the large issue here. Um, 
which is understandable, of course, obviously. So we know that you're single. I know that you're a resident of Beverly Hills. So I'm always curious to ask this because I, I, I live in Wisconsin, but my second home is New York City. So I'm really more of a New Yorker than I would be a Californian, although I'm headed to your city or your state, I should say, next week. So Beverly Hills, you're living there. You've got multiple yeah. ventures going on. So I'm just I'm curious to ask the culture in terms of because you're also an artist. So we'll talk about the author side and the artist side, combine those two. So you're mm-hmm. a creative chameleon is what, what I would call you. So in your market as compared to other markets, do you find yourself hugely successful in L.A. because you are good in that market? Or do you find that you cross markets and that works just as well? Because some people swear New York is a place to be for arts and culture, etc. Some people swear by L.A. So talk to us a little bit about the culture and how you are accepted in terms of creatively and, and your work. I think the creativity is one of my favorite things about Los Angeles because not only do you have people that are really, really creative and have immense amount of drive, but they're making it happen even if it's not in the way that they intentionally had set out to do it. They're finding other okay. avenues for their creativity, and I love that. Right. I love having so many friends that are creative and I think it, it makes the environment much more interesting for me personally. Oh, I imagine. In fact, I am petrified to come there. I know that that sounds terrible, but it's true. I'm just, I'm so nervous just because it's a different kind of culture. I'm not really sure how to be prepared. I'm not sure how to prepare, <laughs> to be honest with you. I'm like, I have to do the – I'm going to be in San Diego on the other side doing a film festival. I'm a panelist there, and so um, I have to come next week. And like I said, I'm not used to it. So uh, any good tips or anything you can tell me about coming to L.A.? It's been a long time. I've only been there once or twice, and I'm like, yeah. You'll little, be great. Just remember to have fun. <laughs> it's so fun. Southern California, San Diego, Los Angeles, I've lived in both. It's really, really a fun atmosphere. It's very easygoing. So just kind of, you know, take it easy, enjoy people, and enjoy the different atmospheres oh, yeah. that are, are there. I, I think it'll be great. Oh, I you bet. Love it. Oh, definitely. And, I, and I'm so excited. And I'm hoping that you're going to tell me why, yes, Cindy, it's 85 degrees and sunny right now. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the weather is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess. It's not 89. It's, um, I don't know. I'm actually in the desert right now. I've been out in the desert writing in Sonora. And it it is 89 here. Yeah. Okay, I gotcha. But we don't know about that. Um, I heard it was raining yesterday. uh, But I would guess. I did too. If it's raining in LA, it usually doesn't last more than a few minutes. It's like, oh, rain. And then, oh. Great. That's got to be interesting. I guess we'll see. Well, I have a black party to attend um, for uh, one of the Halloween festivities, so it'll be a black party outside. So I'm just hoping that it can hold off for that one day, and that'll be nice. So we'll we'll have to see how it goes. I found this interesting because I was looking on your um, – I was going through and researching you on all your social mediums and such. And one of the things that you had posted up, which I, I'm a huge – I can't even tell you what a huge subscriber I am of this philosophy – there was something on there that said, strengthen your writing by keeping your word choices fresh. And I am just an adamant user of a thesaurus among all sorts of other sources. So talk to me about how utilizing different word choices, how you choose to utilize those, how does that make you a stronger writer, you personally? 
I'm trying to get to, to the essence of things. I think that the fewer words and the more that you just clearly get to the essence of something, the more it speaks directly to the heart, and it, it's something that's relatable. Oh, definitely, without a doubt, certainly. Because I've noticed that nowadays, you know, sometimes I'll write in words and I'll find new words, new words that excite me because I'm like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even know that a word existed. And then I put it into a piece and somebody reads it and they're like, I don't understand it. So I'm like, I don't know if I'm writing at a higher level because I use more words. So sometimes I wonder, is that um, is that a protagonist for you? Meaning that, it, you know, some people are reading this and they're not quite getting the gist of what you're trying to say. So then sometimes I wonder, is that the right move or should I just stick to standardized English? You know what I mean? I I think that there's definite value and something to be said for beauty and simplicity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I'm a huge fan of the thesaurus. It is my friend and my amigo and my pal. And mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly right. I, I know it makes you sound like yeah. a geek too, doesn't it? Because people look at me and they're like, you're a freak. And I'm like, no, I'm not. There's nothing wrong with having a dictionary for a friend amongst other things. They're good to you. <laughs> I'm a geek and Am I wrong? sex geek. I I know. I think that it, <laughs> I think it's fabulous. I think it, it's how it makes you feel, and hopefully that the right people will relate to that. No, and I agree with you 150%. And I also do think that it's important to reinvent yourself. And the best way to do that, of course, new words, new writings, new formats, new forums, everything evolving and changing. And as you know, in this world, it's kind of like the publisher Paris scenario. So even if you're not publishing in one form, you need to be publishing in another. And like you're saying, or we're saying rather, word choice is important. Your your selection of word choices, how you put them together, it's a, it's a form of magic. That's what I was talking about with my guest for tomorrow. Magic can be created in so many different ways using words. Um, Absolutely. Before we get to the words, oh, yeah. Before we get to the words that you've written, of course, there's a bunch of different things I want to cover. Now, first of all, um, you also have Antonio Hall Communications, which is what you started to talk Mm -hmm. about. And just for you folks that are listening in, this is a public relations company that handles authors, filmmakers, politicians, et cetera, et cetera. So I want you to talk to me a little bit about this. And there's a – Meaning for my madness, most of the time, all of us are familiar with publicists and what they do. But I want you mm-hmm. to explain to people so they get a sense of as rewarding and promising and exciting as public relations work can be, there is also a flip side to that, is there not? There is very arduous hours. The, talk a little bit about the upside and the downside for publicists. And to those many that listen in are budding actors, filmmakers, etc. talk to them about why you feel it is a necessity in some sort to have a publicist, to have a manager, to have someone in your corner like that for you. Absolutely. So, you know, it, it helps get you out there. It helps people be able to across various platforms. We're on so many platforms now, and there are so mm-hmm. many sources for our information. So the more that you can get yourself out there across those different platforms, the better. And you know, people want to know who you are. They want authenticity. They want to get to know the person rather than just the yep. brand and this image. So the more that you're expressing yourself and people get a taste for who you really are, the more it makes you relatable. And the more, again, it's like the, using the right words, the right people are going to find you and relate to you and want to know what you're working on more. Oh, and I agree 150%. Now, have you noticed, and again, this is just a PR question because I'm curious. We all live in a very technologically savvy world, I should say. Social media is a thing nowadays, and you have to be all over the place all over the time. Now, 
I can remember back in the days where you actually physically type wrote your own press release, et cetera, et cetera. Things were very generic and very just basic and simple. Do you think that social media in some ways affects the public relations community on a negative, from a negative standpoint at all? Because some people think it kind of takes away the art of communication between one person and another. You follow? Yes, I do. And social media, I mean, as it is, PR is changing dramatically right now. So are mm-hmm. resources. Great. Print magazines are going under all the time. Newspapers are going under. The way that mm-hmm. we are getting our information is changing, as you well know. And so mm-hmm. part of that is adjusting to that change. Is it better? Is it worse? I'm not here to, to say necessarily that it's better or worse. It's just different. And we're having to right. adapt and change for these differences. There's more and more video. It's becoming more and more common. Um, you said that the words have to change for the platforms. I just created the audiobook version of my book, The Ultimate Guide to a Multi-Orgasmic Life, and I'm working on creating mm-hmm. the video because people want things in different formats. Right. I agree with you 150%. And I do and I do see a decline, and maybe it's just me, but of course, uh, this is one of the reasons I enjoy doing this format for radio. It forces someone to communicate with me, you know, not via, oh, we're going to have a webcast or we're going to Skype something or whatever. It's an old-fashioned, you're calling me, I'm calling you, we're talking, and we're broadcasting. Yes, there's technology, mm-hmm. but I like the face-to-face or even the phone-to-phone communication. You follow? Because social media kind of feels so disconnected. I mean, maybe it's just me, but I just feel that there's a disconnect. I agree with you because okay. we're losing the context, and it's too ambiguous. So people are making right. snap judgments. What do they mean by this? It's perception. If you're reading it a certain way, and right. they meant something completely different, most of communication mm-hmm. is nonverbal. It's being able to express yourself to the person by looking in their eyes. We're losing all of that, and so I think that the next step is. Obviously, by phone is better than just little fourteen, you know, 140 characters of, of like what is what are they really saying here? It's too open to interpretation often. I think that's oh, a very unfortunate, yeah. And mm, that's happening definitely. with dating too, because we're we're online, we're communicating mm-hmm. by message, by text. And people are afraid to pick up the phone. People don't want to be on the phone anymore. What happened to that? I know, right? Because sometimes it's just so personal. You can hear the sound of someone's voice. Sometimes I even get a sense of sincerity. You know how you can get an email from somebody, yes, it was just so great to connect. And then you talk to them on the phone and you can just hear that tension or that uncomfortableness. And you're like, yeah, maybe it wasn't so great, et cetera. You know, so I, I do, I miss that connection. I think in today's society, we've kind of lost out on that. And as you said, we're going to get into that when we talk about the book and the whole internet thing as well. So definitely. Um, so obviously because we, I am shameless promotion 24-7. So tell the entire world why Antonio Hall, Antonia, why can't I say your name? Why your company, your PR company, why should they pick you over anyone else? And I know that's an unfair question, but I want you to toot your own horn for 30 to 60 seconds. Tell the entire world what your specialty is, what makes you unique outside of all the other PR firms in California. I work with visionaries. I work with people I really believe in. I work with people that I call the tool providers. That means that they are okay. offering something that I believe and absolutely have faith will contribute to other people's lives. 
and I never take on a project if I don't believe in it. If I don't think there's going to be interest, it's not going to be who you. I want everything to be a win-win. And I excel with my clients because I know that field. I work with self-help, personal development, people that are making a difference in the science community and the artistic community and within film, within writing. I work with a lot of authors. Um, I've worked with events as well. It's something that I truly believe in, and I will get behind 100%. I will be the cheerleader that will do absolutely everything to get your work out there and to help you along the process. And and that's so neat, actually. Now, you say all of this, and, of course, I know you have a, a wide range um, of clients that you take on, so I'm just curious. Not that you have a favorite per se, but what, whom do you feel most comfortable working with? Is it a fellow author? Is it a fellow artist? Um, does it matter to you? Because sometimes you know you just have that immediate connection with certain kinds of clients. I'm just curious if that ever happens for you. It's, oh, yeah, I'm really, really blessed. I have worked with amazing people, and I, take, I have taken on projects that I really love. And I think that comes through in the work and, the, and what I'm able to garner for them. I feel like it's more about, like, I'm all about energy and how people match up energetically. So I want that good flow. I want to really, I want us to believe in each other. I think that's incredibly important. Oh, I agree with you 100%. I think, you know, one of the best things that I have with all of the publicists that I work with is, adequate communication. They come to me, I come mm-hmm. to them. If there's a problem with a client, they come to me and then they ask, was the interview good? What can I do? How do I need to work with this? We work hand mm-hmm. in hand instead of me saying, my show, you're just a publicist or them saying, hey, I have clients for you, otherwise you wouldn't have a show. You know what I mean? So it's a part. It's an actual partnership or a pairing, if you will. And many, many, many times I am so blessed because without a publicist, I would not have found half of the people, well, a quarter of the people that have been on my show. It's really been quite amazing just to kind of work hand hand in hand with them and they really many of them live and breathe their clients and yes folks it's true mm-hmm. I mean yes I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you I'm the first one to complain about publicists I've done it a lot lately <laughs> and I have been complaining <laughs> but then I turn around on the flip side and I support all of their clients most of their clients become friends of mine you know so I'm still befriending all the people that come onto my show because I think that's very important cross networking cross promotion very very important without a doubt um so because you are skilled in this area, so let's talk a little bit about nowadays marketing people and marketing products. You're obviously not only marketing people, but you're also marketing your book product amongst other things. So mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about, and this is more so for the listening audience again, a couple of the different factors that you find to be the major marketing points, meaning that if there are three things you always remember to touch on, whether it's pushing a client or pushing yourself, what do you think those three most important things are to get attention and keep attention from an audience? Know who you're approaching. You need to know who the person is and you need to know what's on their plate, what they they write about, what their show's about. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not going to pitch someone without knowing who you're pitching to. That's not going to be a win-win for anybody. So I think you know who you're talking to and, and what they're about. And really approach it from how you can solve their need because they're the ones that are trying to get a story out, especially if they're writing for a magazine or something, that they are kicking out one story after the next. So, so busy. So it needs to be a really quick, how can I help this person with a story? 
How can I contribute? Mm-hmm. It's always like, how can I be of service? And I think that's the way I approach my business, and that's the way I approach how I work for my clients. How can I be of service, and how can their work be of service to the people that I'm approaching? And then nice. just make it there a win-win. If, if they're super busy, can you can somebody um, that you're working with help write a story for them? Can they excerpt right. from their book? Or, you know, something that's going to say, hey, let me now take something off your plate and really contribute sure. so that, yeah, that's, that's where I come from with PR. You bet. And once again, once again, shameless promotion for the czar page on Facebook because I think that's the number one thing that I like. Both myself, yourself, amongst many other people, reach out to other people, and I've seen it happen all the time. Can you get me this? Can you find me this? Can you help me with this? I need a story for this. It's the best. Oh, my gosh. Very instrumental. And without some of those things, I think you'd be lost because I think it's just so difficult in today's day and age, really. If you don't know somebody who knows somebody, it's going to be really tough for you to find information Mm -hmm. or to get leads or to do some of the things that you need to do to market people in yourself, obviously. So Mm -hmm. the proverbial question that I must ask, of course, is, are you as good in your mind? Do you believe you market yourself as well as your clients, or do you think your clients went out? I think that (laughs) it's it's much more challenging when you're promoting yourself. it, It really took a lot for me to break through my own comfort zone, but that's where the good stuff is. You know, everything that's outside mm-hmm. our comfort zone is usually where the good stuff is. So uh, it, it took a little while to break through that. And I, I feel like there's an absolute flow. I feel incredibly grateful. Um, my book has won multiple awards. It is up for a couple of more uh, awards. And I've been getting a lot of press and contributing to a lot of sources. So I feel very very grateful for all of the positive feedback. I get letters from people that have read the book and tell me how much it has helped their life. And that, I mean, that makes it all worthwhile. Then it's like, okay, I'll keep going. (laughs) Well, and and it is, uh, you know, I I agree with you. I think wholeheartedly most people in the professional world, even though you're doing something, uh, like in your case, your subject matter is much more of a personal nature. I think it's always important for us to feel inspired, motivated, and or, you know, when somebody comes to you, like you're saying, they're giving you that pat on the back and saying to you, you know, we're proud of you and we appreciate you and thank you for contributing to our lives somehow. That, I think, mm-hmm. is a, a lot of the reason why authors and, and other people do what they do in terms of the marketing promotion world. In this particular case, yours, like I said, is very personal and we'll get to that. Um, I want to mm-hmm. talk about another life role that you have. I did not know this, but it, it would appear that you are um, – a producer for the Common Sense Spirituality Show. I know that I did not yes, know. Yes, it's an iHeartRadio show. It was a wonderful project. I just wrapped up a year of producing that show. And okay. it allowed me to really connect with some incredible people that are the top change makers and thought leaders in the world today to have them up on the show. It was amazing. Well, and I, I think what I'm interested about was a couple different things. I'm surprised that you mm-hmm. actually are not producing it because that would be 150% up your alley. Just the subject, you know, common sense spirituality is right down your line of work. So I'm thinking it really I'm is. surprised that you left. <laughs> so you'll have to tell us <laughs> what made you decide or elect to actually move away from that show. And then talk to people about the show, meaning that if they want to go back on onto the Internet and take a listen, 
get into this um, show a little bit and just go back and listen to some of that and get acquainted with it, how can they do that? Yeah, it's all archived on iHeart, and you can listen to any of the episodes that have aired at your convenience from, you know, your iPhone or whatever. And it, it looks at the science and spirituality and a blending of the two to kind of demystify and help people understand, like, why are we here? And, you know, what is our purpose? I think it comes back to, like, the, the essence of humanity that we always end up asking ourselves, like, why am I here? Am I doing what I'm meant to be doing? And so it tries to answer some of that and talk to people that are experts in meditation and tools that help you to kind of explore that journey further for yourself. Very, very nice. Now, did they approach you or did you somehow come upon them or how did the merging actually happen? It was actually a client of mine whose book I promoted. And then he decided that he wanted to have a radio show and we decided to explore production. And I loved producing. I would absolutely consider producing another radio show. It was was quite a pleasure. It's a good fit for me. And it's really intriguing to be on the flip side of my PR job because then I had (laughs) people coming to me with their pitches of why their clients should be on the show. Oh, you betcha. And and that's an interesting, (laughs) you'd be amazed. You would be shocked how many times that I get approached by somebody to do something. Can you have them on your show? Can you have them on your show? And I'm a pretty easy sell. I mean, you don't have to ask me twice. I'm kind of like, okay, fine. As long as it's intriguing to me, I have to tell you, I was nervous about interviewing you and I still am. Um, you know, I think it's a big leaps and bounds that I'm taking. I'm telling you, okay, the subject matter of your book, oh, my gosh, you're lucky you're not here. Because I was, like, talking about this before, and I'm like, oh, my God, what was I thinking? I'm going to be turning red this entire time. And it's ridiculous. I'm 47 years old, and I have four children, okay? So, this, you know, I, I'm, I'm making leaps, though. I think it's important that I had you on my show. I've read Fifty Shades. So we're kind of getting there. You know what I mean? We're, we're making the transgressional sort of – turn of life, get a little more open-minded, that sort of good stuff. And plus, too, I'm very, very curious about a bunch of different things that come from your book. So this is exciting for me. What it is. And actually, it's a privilege because you're very, you're very well-established, very intelligent. You have a lot to offer an audience. And that's really the oh, place I want you on my show. Thank you're you. Welcome. I appreciate now, it. I want to – yes? It's an important topic, now. too. You know, it's an inherent oh, it There's a – a huge disconnect in our society today. So I think it's wonderful that you had a willingness to approach it. Oh, without a doubt. And of course, obviously I'm pretty blunt to begin with. So people already know, like when I have you on, I mean, it's not a surprise. (laughs) I just, I think, uh, you know, people get, there are a lot of people that are all, like me out there that are kind of like, well, you can't talk about that. Cause I thought about that. Cause I'm like, you know how it is when you get to an established point in your life, like, you know, people in the limelight and all this, and they're like, you're not supposed to talk about that. Well, I'm sorry. How did they get here? I'm pretty sure that right. all of us, as much as I hate to admit it, it's true. Parents had sex and without them having sex, we wouldn't be breathing. There wouldn't be a radio show. There would be no one. So we're all kind of a sex object kind of, well, I don't know if I would have put it that way, but okay, fine. Now, I don't want to forget this, um, to tell everybody this. Your your background, of course, obviously, you got your um, 
initial degree in psychology through Dominican University. And then, of course, your MA is through the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. Now, mm-hmm. because of your area of expertise, meaning now from the psychology standpoint, are you able to utilize that professionally or personally at all um, with having that background? I'm finding it to be immensely helpful. I'm working with a lot of magazines as a contributor to stories around um, relationships, dating, and contributing as a psychologist and relationship expert as well as a sexpert has been indispensable. Nice. Very, very nice. Yeah. Now, I have to ask you, do you... um, I know this might be putting the card for the horse, but, but I wouldn't be shocked if the answer was yes. I had considered the fact that has anyone approached you or have you given consideration to the idea of doing classes, so to speak, in terms of the subject matter what we have here? Because it, a lot of times, sometimes it's best to train someone face-to-face, get couples in a room together, work with them on a case-by-case basis to try to enhance their love life. Or has that been something uh-huh. that's on the docket for you already? No, it has been, and a lot of people are asking for that. That's one of the reasons I'm trying to create a video version of my book so that people can watch it from anywhere in the world. And I am working with people. I'm very selective, like my dating life. I am selective about who I work with one-on-one. But I have been working with some people in Los Angeles. If you're there and you want to discuss how we might Mm -hmm. be able to work with you, if you have an interest in learning how to move energy through your body, become multi-orgasmic, or just make peace with, with that inherent part of you, because as you said, it sure. is sexuality is the fabric through which we all came. Right. It's you know it's an important part of life. It's inherent to who we are. It's a part of all of nature of which we're a part. Oh, I agree, definitely, without a doubt. And that's that's the first thing that resonated in my head was obviously maybe she should be doing this in public. Well, not public, public, mm-hmm. but just to a point where other people having the same issues can sit together because, you know, you can read a book or you can listen to something of someone telling you this is what you should do. But sometimes literal hands-on, no pun intended, might be the best in terms of trying to improve things because uh, most of us, our opinion at least, and I'm not sure you'll agree, but maybe you tell me, my opinion or belief has always been a lot of the issue when it comes to things of a sexual nature per se is a combination not just of your physical but also of the mental because the brain is the most um, significant part of your body. It does all your thinking. It is the brain. It's the center. It's the core. It controls you, period. So I can't imagine that your sexuality or your ability to experience sexual climax has to be contingent on both factors, or am I mistaken? That's so true, Sin. And the whole beginning of my book, The Ultimate Guide to a Multi-Orgasmic Life, will look mm-hmm. at the mindset. And there are a lot of things that can get in the way of our leading our best lives and really experiencing our sexual energy and the, and the potential in that. And so, you know, orgasms are a function of the brain. And a lot of our mindset stories that we've been told, the stress of work, all of it can get in the way and, and hinder our being able to experience pleasure and great fulfillment. Ah, exactly. Now, I've been giving this some thought, and I said to myself, okay, let's ask this next question. Now, I come up from, you know, my particular family genetic comes from a very strict 
father who's very Roman Catholic. So it kind of goes without saying, of course, when you come from a faith-based, and I think a lot of us who are very strongly um, raised in that faith base, there seems to be a, a shyness away or a very timid uh, sense when it comes to discussing sexuality, when it comes to dealing with sexuality. So I guess on a, on a much bigger level, if you took it society-wise, do you feel overall it is a nationwide issue that people have an issue with admitting, talking about, or being comfortable with their sexuality, speaking about it, or owning their own sexuality, so to speak? I think it's one of the greatest problems that we're, we're facing because what we're told we should feel about sex and how we inherently feel about sex creates this disparity and it, it's really uncomfortable when you're taught mm-hmm. that sex is shameful, that the body is sinful, that you can't touch yourself. We are wired for pleasure and it is, and I think it's an inherent, like an innate part that needs that attention, that needs to be fostered and tapped into because the potential is so great most people don't even know how much pleasure your body is wired for. And Hmm. if you've been taught that you're not allowed to to tap into that or that your body is a a sinful, shameful thing and no, don't do that, then you've got all this programming to get past to be able to get to that surrendered place to allow yourself to experience that pleasure. You bet. And of course, I have some friends that are of the mindset, and I've heard this before publicly from male friends of mine, of course. They they have, and, and literally, without hesitation, they admit that they find it offensive. They would, they Males, I think, in some ways are hardwired that they want to be the pleasure center for a woman. And when they discover that it's not just them as the primary, meaning that sexual intercourse is not the only means for them, for women to get pleasure, it's a disappointment to them. So I'd like you to talk a little bit about what makes – our male gender so hardwired that way, I guess, for lack of a better term, that they need to be the they need to be the be all and end all. For lack, I, I guess I'm not quite sure how else to put that. No, I think that's a really, really great question and so incredibly important because it, it's the flip side. The men are taught to conquer, and women mm-hmm. are taught to acquiesce. And we're taught that men are supposed to know our bodies and please us, and that's where our pleasure is supposed to come from. And men are taught that they're supposed to know the woman's body and be able to please her, but all women are different. So that's impossible. And if she hasn't taken the time to get to know her body, then she can't express to him her own needs. So it's kind of a lose-lose situation, and I think that it starts really young because men are – kind of have this thing when they're boys that, like, oh, boys will be boys. And so activation, <laughs> getting to know their body is just like, oh, you know, it's kind of just shrugged off and laughed off, like, oh, boys will be boys. And then right. girls are taught, like, we're not allowed to explore, and a lot of women kind of get behind. And so the, the guys are way ahead of themselves. Unfortunately, with porn habits and everything else, that can actually work against them because of, like, quickie habits that – they end up creating um, new problems. But for women, if they haven't had that permission, which a lot of women did not grow up with, then we're really behind on being able to express and know our own bodies. And women actually 
kind of flourish in their 40s and later in life because they've gotten to know their bodies. They're starting to really know. They're starting to catch up. And the other thing that I think is really neat about today's society is we have some of these new things, like, for instance, like I mentioned before, the Fifty Shades of Grey novel that is out there. And, and you know, it's no surprise that this is wildly popular. Um, I think that, the, and in fact, I know that there are some men that have even asked me, why do women like this so much? So I guess I should ask someone like yourself, the expert, so do tell. What makes you believe, in your opinion, um, why are women flocking to read this, flocking to see the movie, um, there's still, I know that there are some women that are still a little squeamish about saying, you know what, uh, I want to meet a man like that of sorts, or, or, you know, not necessarily 100% full on what's described in that book. But there's an openness to new ventures, new possibilities, definitely very non-traditional ways of looking at sexuality, if I must say. So I'm just mm-hmm. curious what your take is on why the huge popularity of this. Well, I think that it's something that people have been doing at a very secretive level for a long time. And, again, it taps into that part of of like the man's going to conquer and being able to – sometimes you just want a man to pin you up against the wall and kiss you and, you know, have that primal – it talks to that primal part of ourselves. And it talks to the part of ourselves – that hasn't been out in the open. And so it's a new, like, wow, really? Like, it's not just me? Like, that part of me that wants that is, is like, normal? Other people want that? And so I think sure. that it allows um, kind of for an opening into that, okay, hey, this is, this is something that's, that's happening, and it is. It's been happening for a long time. And not only that, of course, like I said, I've noticed that there are women that um, you can literally ask them, oh, have you seen this or have you read about that? No, 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 no. And, you know, like, again, it goes back to the whole shyness or uh, hesitation in terms Mm -hmm. of talking about needs, wants, things along those lines. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, as we started to mention, your book, again, The Ultimate Guide to a Multi-Orgasmic Life. Now, um, I want to point out a few things. It's been the winner of the 2016 National Indie Excellence Award and the Independent Publisher Book Award. Uh, in February, mm-hmm. you had an article in the Female First magazine. So mm-hmm. I want to start off by asking this question. Um, outside of the obvious, which is when you write a book about having multi-orgasms, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out why people are reading it. And I want to say it's because the content was wonderfully written. And I'm sure it is because I've started to read it, but that's not the point. And I'm sure we all know what the subject is about. But talk to me a little bit about how you, you, the methods, because it's not just straight talk about, oh, okay, if you want to have tons of orgasms, do this. No, you have a very specific approach in which how you talk about it. So without giving too much of the book away, tell the listening mm-hmm. audience about the different ways or methodologies that you approach this from to get your point across in terms of teaching couples how to get where they both need to be? So it's a couple of pages and then an exercise and a couple of pages and an exercise so that it's Mm -hmm. very, very easy to implement into your life. And it's broken up into looking at the mental components, as we talked about, and then the essential mm-hmm. tools. And the, the more that you implement those tools, wow, the more it is going to allow you to experience that sexual energy is so creative and juicy. And the more it's flowing in our lives, and hopefully we've all had experiences like this, that you're just like in that zone and you're happy and people are asking 
Oh, mm-hmm. why are you in such a great mood? Like, what's fueling <laughs> you right now? What, you know, <laughs> it's attractive to people. Like, you're fulfilled and it shows. And so right. it, it kind of changes your whole relationship with the world. So I talk about that energetic, how to tap into it, how to do the physical pursuits that will help you to get there, how men can start to become multi-orgasmic. A lot of men don't know that men are wired to be multi-orgasmic and be able to keep going and have these mind-bending full-body orgasms and keep going, and then how women can, can do this. And it's possible for the body to hands-off roll orgasms through your body, full-body orgasms, one after the next. I think it's the best way to start the day. So I detail exactly how you can start to tap into that and start moving that energy through your body. And then at the end, how you can connect with your partner and move that energy together because it will take everything up to a whole other level and I, I find, like, it allows you to explore at this whole other level. Like you were saying that, like, this this taboo thing is taken away. Right. So that you can, right. you can tap into the body has all kinds of ways to experience pleasure. And that can change. Our desires and, and what we like can change. So it allows you to keep exploring. I think it gives you a way to keep exploring forever. Like you guys can just keep on going and finding new things with each other. It's amazing. It's totally transformative. Well, and the other thing too is like you had started to talk about that was one of my hit points here, which is the full body orgasms from a male. Now, obviously, of course, as a woman, I can understand the standpoint on our side. But I want you to talk a little bit about that because there's, I know there are tons of men that are unfamiliar with the concept of a full body orgasm because I can imagine that that must be much more work for them just as for us a lot of times it's a mental challenge for us to get there. But have you found in your experience is there one or two predominant factors that, that kind of prohibit their ability to experience this full body? Well, I think that the primary issue with, with experiencing or what can get in the way is that men equate orgasm and ejaculation as one function, and they're not. They're two. So once they can start to learn their arousal cycles and how to move that energy, they can actually, instead of having it be relegated to one part of their body, they can bring that orgasm up into their body, have a full-body orgasm without ejaculating, and then keep going. Orgasm again, and then ejaculate when they want to. It puts the, the power back in their hands, not literally and literally, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you <laughs> I know they're butt-on-bum play on words. It's kind of hard not to have a play on words when you're talking sexuality, it, but that's okay. It really is, yes. And, and but it, it, it is. really is. It, it's amazing. And Kinsey showed this. I mean, it, the study showed that men are multi-orgasmic. But the, the, they knew it back when they were teenagers, and it's something they unlearn. Hmm. Now, that's an interesting yeah. concept. Really. It's huh. trippy, right? Yeah. No, well, no kidding. I was just having a conversation today, and this, this actually came up to be a great topic because we, again, 
in our world today, because, of course, sexuality and sex in general is such a, a big component of our relationship, and hopefully it's not the primary. I've always said that. I'm like, you know, sex is very important, but when it becomes the primary, we've lost something, obviously. Mm-hmm. But clearly, mm-hmm. men are striving. They're doing the Viagras of the world and all the other sorts of substances which they believe will keep them harder, keep them more erect, mm-hmm. keep them, you know, satisfying a woman. So I was curious to ask you if you've heard of there are uh, talk about natural ways, whether it's natural substances or natural practices or techniques where men can have not only have these orgasms, but sustain not only for our benefit, but their benefit as well. Are there natural such resources out there that they can utilize? Yeah, it's, it's all detailed in my book. It's all in there. Mm-hmm. It teaches you different techniques that will help you to sustain your erection and be able to keep going and, and become multi-orgasmic. Have a full body orgasm, keep going. It, I think it's like the guide to becoming a sexual superhero. And once you <laughs> learn those, once you learn to become a sexual superhero, it will be something that you have for life. Like these are skills that once you learn them, that's like, wow. And it doesn't take that long. It depends on how well you know your own body. But within sure. some months, you should be able to have these skills. Gotcha. I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, mm-hmm. ladies, this is a quote from her. Apparently, us females, our orgasms are better between in our 40s and in our 50s, which means I should be whistling Dixie right now since I'm 47. Of course, you have to be having sex <laughs> to have those better things. But nonetheless, it's good news. And, and I'm curious about that because you mentioned this, that that they are better in this age bracket. And I'm just curious what makes them better. Is it change of life? Obviously, uh, a lot of us have changes in the body going on right now. And does that have something to do with it? Or what are some of the specific reasons for that? Well, first I'd like to just say something that you touched on, which is that you don't have to have sex you can learn to move that energy and have orgasms without having sex, without touching yourself, and and roll them through. We are wired for pleasure. We're so lucky as women. And orgasm is a function of the brain. So being able to relax and surrender and, and move that energy, it's so potent, and it really allows you to get in touch with this very healthy, creative, juicy energy. It releases hormones, oxytocin, it lowers cortisol, it boosts the immune system. Orgasms are so good for us. It's also a fountain of youth activity, so it helps to age us. And I think that women are experiencing better orgasms because we know our body better. We know our body right. better. We know what pleases us better. And I think that we've given up a, a certain, like, pretense of, oh, she has me in this position. How do I look? Like, all those right. worries, you're like, you don't care about that anymore. You're just like, come on, let's, like, enjoy. <laughs> no, so I totally get what you mean. Yeah. Now, you bring up I a very valid point when you mention um, – or I should say, sexual energy is creative, fulfilling, and joyful. Um, Mm -hmm. Tell me, if there was one way in which we could all maybe fill up our love tanker, in this particular case, increase our amount of sexual energy, what would be one good suggestion that you would have for us to be able to enhance that? 
start using your PC muscle every day. I don't know if you're okay. familiar with the pubococcygeus. Most people I've are heard familiar with Kegel. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it yep. is your, your sex muscle. And by strengthening that muscle, which doesn't take a lot of work, it just, you know, a couple minutes a day, huge difference because your orgasms are going to get stronger. It will help with, it helps men and women. So this is something that both of us should be doing. And sure. it it absolutely allows you to experience these full body orgasms at a whole other level. You've got to know that mm-hmm. energy. And when you're squeezing, feel that energy. It's at the base of the spine. It's right there. And it wants right. to move up your spine. So when you're doing that exercise, feel it and experience it because we're all sexual beings. And the more that you kind of just give that a little attention, because a lot of us get so busy that we just kind of tune it out and forget that important part of ourselves, the more it's going to carry over and give you that juicy, awesome, yes, I am so in the zone. It will just fuel your days. Oh, look at that. That's awesome. Now, I have two other questions for you, um, and, and these two I think are significant to mention because of the subject matter. For one, I'm most curious to ask this, and this gets brought up a lot, um, again, with the social media thing. We live in a day and age where it's not uncommon for droves of individuals to flock to the Internet. You know, you've got Internet mm-hmm. porn, you've got all sorts of things mm-hmm. that are out there. From a health perspective, in terms of what you're talking about, the the orgasm and producing better orgasms, et cetera, is the Internet a hindrance or is it a help in that regard? And if so, why? Everything is in how it's used. And if something is being used as an escape mechanism and it leaves you feeling not healthy, it leaves you feeling not good about yourself, then something is off and something's out of balance, and it's important to look at that. If it's helping to give you information, it's helping to connect you and your partner, then that's fantastic. So I think it's all about how it's being used, and how how it makes us feel is always a great gauge for that. Right. We know. We all know. We know when something's not right. We have that feeling. Mm -hmm. We know, you know. So it's it's important to pay attention to that and to honor that because if you push it aside, that doesn't work. We know that doesn't work. You know, you push something aside, oh, I want to look at that. It's going to come through in other ways, in unhealthy ways, and it's not going to leave you feeling good. It's not going to leave you feeling empowered. So the the way that you use something should leave you feeling empowered. It should leave you feeling good. And not only that, of course, it's not a substitute, and I want to mention that, because oftentimes what happens is I've heard in relationships that you have a relationship, so to speak, with your television or your computer or your phone or whatever Mm -hmm. have you, and that almost kind of transcends the actual physical relationship you have with a partner, you know. So So true and very unfortunate. Yes, it is, because that disconnection. And it's, again, it's, it's, Things that take you away from the present moment. If it's an escapist tool, then it really needs to be restricted and limited in your life. Because if it's taking over, then that's not healthy and it's 
it means that there's something else that you're not wanting to look at and deal with. You betcha. Now, the last question that I have relative to the book, um, and I talked about asking about this, but obviously because we live in today's day and age in the year of 2016, it's a sad but true fact. And I'm asking because someone that I know that I love um, and others have this similar situation, so perhaps you can help. We all live in a world where we all want to believe that sex is consensual between man and a woman. Sadly, we have incidences left, right, and sideways of individuals that live with sexual assault, sexual abuse, um, or abuses, period. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I would be the first one to say that you know therapy is instrumental among support, et cetera. Do you feel that... Um, a person's sexuality over the long term, do you feel it's per- almost permanently altered by the inappropriate side of sexuality or are there ways that one can mend themselves? And I ask this because, folks, she's also a spirituality teacher, a spiritual teacher. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to delve down and look at that a little bit because a, a lot of us have been through that. And so how how do you find a normal, acceptable, trusting partnership when it comes to sexuality coming from that place? Is that possible? Right. When there hasn't been consent and there, unfortunately, as you said, is more common than not, then it's really, really important to do that work, whether it be something that you're able to do on your own or, you know, a therapist can be a really good outlet to, to help work through that. Doing the forgiveness work is imperative because if you haven't done the forgiveness work, which is always a gift for ourselves and allows us to move on so we don't have to carry that with us, and that work is something that can be done, and you can get through it. And then learning to trust your own self, loving yourself, taking care of yourself, that's where it starts. Because if you know that you can love and trust yourself when you are out exploring new partnerships, you're going to be able to gauge better if that's a healthy relationship and you can trust that person because you already know that you can love and trust yourself. Makes perfect sense, of course. And the forgiveness work, like you mentioned, that's that's so instrumental. And I think we mm-hmm. should take that one step further for you to define. A lot of people are unfamiliar with spirituality, uh, life coaches, yoga, meditation, spirituality. So, uh, identifying yourself as a spiritual teacher, just elaborate a bit and tell everyone what exactly that entails. So what is your job as a teacher on the spiritual side of things? We are spiritual beings. And so there's a part of ourselves that is always longing to be explored through meditation. And meditation can take a lot of forms. It can be sitting still and, and it can also be movement. There's There are moving meditations. So like explore sure. what works for you. But getting in touch with that part of ourselves that transcends this human experience is really an important part of knowing ourselves better. And again, being able to trust ourselves and trust the process of life that the stories are just stories and it's just part of a learning experience and that we grow and we move on. Excellent. Absolutely excellent. Now my last question before we go through the business end of things. 
Um, mm-hmm. Artistically, besides being a writer and besides being a teacher, do you paint? Do you draw? Do you other creative things? I was curious because I could peg you for a few different things. Like singing <laughs> was one thing that just hit me. I'm like, I wonder oh, if she I sings, and I keep not. I was a singer for a long Thank I you. Was. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew it. Yeah, I was. <laughs> Uh, and we, when you say was, that me means... I don't even know that. Yeah, I don't okay. anymore. I do. I mean, I do. I sing all the time, but you have to be around me and kind of here, I guess. I paint. I, I don't necessarily paint well, but it makes me incredibly <laughs> happy. So I okay. allow myself that outlet. <laughs> sure. Well, of course. I yeah. mean, why not? You don't have to be great at it to, to have it be an outlet. I mean, that's important for you to have it. So that's, that's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Okay. Now, I have uh, – I want you to listen to all of these things, folks, because this is mm-hmm. every single way to find her. I'm going to go exhausted just reading all of this. So I want you to listen through all this make sure I didn't miss anything um, first off. Okay. There's about 800 ways to reach this woman. So I'm going to read them all off to you. Um, first of all, the actual website, uh, and the spelling of her name is actually A-N-T-O-N-I-A, and it's Hall, so that's AntoniaHall.com. She is on Amazon, LinkedIn, Goodreads, Book Passage, Snapchat, YouTube, Google+, Flipagram, also AntoniaHallCommunications.com. She has two different Facebook accounts, her personal account she has, author Antonia Hill, and then, of course, Antonia Hall Communications. I can't speak today. Her Instagram is art, and it's mixtress, which is M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S. Her Twitter handle is at, and it's Eden, E-D-E-N, and then S-O-L. Any other place? Did I no, but you can find most of that. No, you did wonderful. Thank you. If you go to <laughs> AntoniaHall.com, you can find right. links to most of that. So yes, to that's keep what it I easy for people. You bet. Yeah. And obviously, we're all going to run right off to Amazon, and we're going to get the ultimate guide to a multi-orgasmic life because now we just got you all riled up and thinking about it for the last hour. So of course, you want to go out and buy seventy-five copies of that book just because you want to. Um, I'm going to guess that. You're probably got one more book in you, don't you? That's just a guess that you might just expand out. I just wrote another book because I've been out Uh writing. Yes. And so so for future reference, there'll be more. So for future reference, there will be more. Yes. (laughs) Awesome. Now we've come to the duration. Now that I've kept you for almost an hour, the very last part of my show that I do is customary, and it's for everybody that comes on my show. I get to take the last minute or two to tell my guest what I think of her. So these are my impressions of you. These all come solely for me, and they are not scripted, by the way. Somebody asked me that. They're like, you speak so eloquently. You must write it all down. I write the interviews. I do all my research, but I do not write my own reflections. So this is coming right from my heart and my head directly to you. It's also for the benefit of everybody listening in um, so they get a better sense of who you are. And just to remind you, my dear, about two two hours or so after our show gets done, it's archived, in which case then anybody can go back and listen to it all year round. So always be up on the Blog Talk Radio format. I'm sure it'll end up being on my show page and then eventually onto the YouTube channel, just as a heads up to you. So this is now my chance to tell Antonia what I think. First of all, I have to thank you so much because I never thought that I would not blush more than once or twice, which I only did blush, not that anyone can see, haha, because I'm on Blog Talk Radio. 
that she only made me blush once or twice by using the ass word. Yes, I said sex. Most people are going to be really excited that I just said the sex word because I don't say that either. Um, first of all, thank you for making me so very comfortable talking about a subject that if you knew me very well, you would know is extremely and immensely uncomfortable for me. My impressions of you are very simple and very straightforward and very honest. As stated when I first started with you, you are very intelligent. You are very, very versed in yourself, what makes you happy. You're very in tune with what makes other people happy, and you have a good sense of your own spirituality and sensuality. And you take your own personal understanding and you translate that into a version where other people can understand their own being. That is so crucially important in a day and age where we live surrounded by other individuals that we do not understand nor have a fully good capacity to understand them as well. You allow us and give us the gifts to be able to do that. You emulate a passion about everything that you do. You seem very cute. I would imagine that you're you are probably a wonderful person to go out and party with, and I mean that in the best. Go out and have cocktails with, get all dressed up, go out and do the town with, because I can see that you just have a natural little spirit on the inside of you that kind of resonates to the outside, makes the people around you feel comfortable, makes them feel more creative, more spontaneous, and you make someone want to feel as though they can be outside of the box and it's socially and mentally acceptable. You're inspiring for other people because you are a self-made individual, you are educated, and you've moved on to take all of this energy and create it into something powerful, passionate, and strong to share with your listening audience. So we should really be thanking you for giving us the tools that we need to be better listeners and better lovers of our own body and of each other. I do hope the next time, because I know when I come to LA, you won't be there. The next time that I come in town, I can ring about and say, hey, here I am. Now teach me more about sex. Teach me more about me. Teach me more about something, because I think our journey is not quite complete. And before I forget, I thank you so that. much for... Oh, well, thank you. And I don't want to forget to say thank you for answering my invitation. I hope that I did you thank well. Thank you. I mean, I hope that I did you I'm, justice. I hope. Absolutely wonderful. And you're such thank a gracious you. hostess. It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you are too sweet. Well, just know that you have an open door. You can come back at any point in time and definitely stay in touch because I certainly want to connect on the second book and other things. So definitely please do that. And thank you again for giving Likewise. me all your time. Thank you. All thank right, you. my dear. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, folks, that was Antonia Hall, and wasn't she absolutely amazing? And I meant everything that I said. She really is a very, very strong instructor of learning how to be a better person and how to be a better spirit and how to be a better lover. Again, Antonia is spelled A-N-T-O-N-I-A Hall. So AntoniaHall.com. She's on Amazon, LinkedIn, Goodreads, Passage, Snapchat, YouTube, Flipagram, Google+, AntoniaHallCommunications.com, author Antonia Hall, and Antonia Hall Communications is also on Facebook. And as she mentioned, of course, you can go to Amazon. The name of the book, once again, is The Ultimate Guide to a Multi-Orgasmic Life. And as you just heard from her, she's been in the desert writing, so anticipate for the year 2017 for her next book to be coming out. And I'm sure we'll all be excited to see what new things we can learn about ourselves and our body. Don't want to forget one more time. 3 o'clock Central Standard Time, Darren Hawbrook is going to be on our show today. I'm so excited because I get to be hosting him for his very first interview, and he's from the London area. So let's try to make it very friendly for him. 
And let's try to make it a good show. 3 o'clock Central Standard Time. If you want to check him out, he has a website called ForestTownChronicles.com. And like I said, he is launching his Foreverland book on October 31st. I want to say thanks so much to my listening audience. As always, my fans, my followers, thank you for taking the time. Again, Antonia, thank you so much for listening. Quick heads up, thank you so much, Alexa, for tomorrow's interview with Darren. You guys have a wonderful afternoon. Get outside and enjoy that lovely 70-degree weather in Wisconsin or wherever you are. Hopefully it's nice there, and I will talk to you folks tomorrow.